0: GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.
1: Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life. And we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. it wouldn't be the first or the last time that you would have heard a story of a child who would follow in the footsteps of his parents, be inspired by their life choices or career, but it's even more unusual to find a parent who is actually inspired by a very young son with autism. And today we're going to talk to Patrick about just that. Patrick, you have a very odd accent. And I cannot place you. Where are you from originally?
0: Well, um, I, was, I was born and raised in New York City, um, or just outside of New Jersey, uh, of a, a British father and a South American mother. Wow. Um, and, um, but the accent is, per, is, I suppose you could say it's an East Coast accent, uh, rather modified by having li- lived an awful long time in the UK. So uh, that's, that's taken, it, uh, taken a few of the... Uh, the American twang down a bit of it, I suppose. So
1: let's understand a little bit about your background because you have lent your, let's say, talents mm-hmm. to several different uh, careers in mm-hmm. your life. Interesting careers. In the UK, mainly?
0: At university, I studied uh, politics and diplomacy and, uh, um, and then started my career in the UK. So I've, I always had the American and the British passport because my father is British. And so when I was tw- just after finishing university, I decided to come to UK. I came to London at the age of 22, I think it was, uh, with a passport and no job. So I just uh, ended up applying for jobs in journalism and started working and started in that, in that area. So I worked as a journalist for oh, six, seven years in different things, magazines, newspapers. I worked up in Liverpool and then back down in London, primarily in the areas of finance. Um, which I had a great, a great fun. I was, I was at My, my uh, probably uh, best experience was being part of a Downing Street press conference, asking a question of John Major. Um, oh, wow. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, did he
1: answer you, though?
0: Uh, yeah, I think he did. He saw that I was this very young journalist, desperate to get a question in, so he, he saved the very last question at the press conference for me. And uh, uh, so I did have my moment in fame. It was never broadcast, but I did ask a question of the prime minister. Um, so uh, I had a lot of funding that. Um, but after doing it for about eight or nine years, I felt I, uh, I needed to earn a bit more money. So I decided to come to Spain, really. did a full-time MBA at a business school in Barcelona and uh, uh, came back to London and worked in banking. So I had a couple of different careers. And then um, I joined a big investment bank uh, called Bear Stearns, which doesn't exist anymore. This was in the early 2000s. And it was a, it was an unusual experience. It was, uh, I uh, doubled my salary from what I was earning as a journalist, but I really did not enjoy the work. It was a bit like joining the army as a private when you're 30 years old. It's just uh, uh, compared to all the freedom you have as as a journalist, it's it's quite a, it's quite a a restrictive environment, yeah. yeah. Working on spreadsheets all day long for 10 or 12 hours a day. So after a year and a half of that, I quit and and did something entrepreneurial. I I, I raised some money and to start up a, a sports magazine in London, so I, I ran a business, uh, as a publishing business, for five years.
1: Did you have your family at this stage?
0: Uh, no, I was single. I, I mar- married fairly late in life. Uh, I sort of uh, married when I was 40, and that's when I decided. After had, having kids, met my wife in London, and uh, we got married there. And she too is from South America. She's from Peru. And then we, um, after having ki- after have kids, we decided to to make a move. So that's where we, I, I, I changed from uh, finance into teaching. So, uh, I I started again and did a PGC and, uh, uh, to to train as a teacher of economics and business, which is what I've been doing ever since. Uh, The
1: fundamental thing here, I guess, is that Charlie, who is your young son, he has autism. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you were inspired by Mm -hmm. in a way to take up teaching with as well, because you have a lot of thoughts on on different approaches to teaching mm-hmm. and it was then more or less is it not that you heard of uh, an availability in gibraltar
0: yeah i mean um charlie was diagnosed when he was four years old uh, so this is actually just after i started teaching uh, but before we came to gibraltar so it's really in the last he's now he's now nine so it's in the last five years we've sort of uh, come to come to realize um, uh, what his needs are and, and how best to service them and and that's where my interest uh, has developed tremendously. He started on a regular reception school then that's when his autism was diagnosed in his first year at, at a, in a pre-nursery basically and then he went into a um, school autism only school um, for in Somerset where we were living at the time and um, when we decided to come to Gibraltar, we were looking. We, didn't, we knew there was no such school, and uh, given that he's he would well, these days they would call him fairly high functioning, he was determined within the Gibraltar education system to be put in a mainstream school. St. Anne's, in the uh, uh, in the in the in the learning support in the LSFs, and and uh, and and that's where we've we've his experience has been for the last few years. It's been. It's been mixed. It's been quite good. I mean, I think he's, he's made tremendous progress uh, as a whole, in terms of uh, largely speaking. I mean, I think his, 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 his main challenges has been uh, uh, initially was uh, uh, developing his vocabulary and speaking. That's, that's uh, developed tremendously over time. And, uh, and then it's just the, the whole social, emotional uh, communicate, uh, communication needs as well. Um, I think what we've, what we've found is that uh, certain things in school works and, and, and other things about schools do not work. Right. And so it's just a matter of learning by experience what works well for your child. And um, I guess the, the thing that's really come to, um, come to the fore over the last few few, few years or so is the fact that um, schools tend to be very places of, of by necessity and routine, right There's certain schedules and routines and all that, which uh, doesn't suit some children very well. right? Some kids do not function with routines or do not function with large groups. Or, um, or with very strict instructions about to do this, do that, etc. And, and they, they struggle at school, not because they're inherently naughty, but just because the way they are and they, they, they want to be certain things. So these are some of the uh, issues, I think, well, many parents face, whether you, um, whether child has a, a special condition or not. But, um, and I think we found that, uh, that Charlie did struggle with a lot of things. He later on had, more recently he's had a, a an ADHD diagnosis to go with the autism, which which probably is actually a, a bigger hindrance to his learning than, than the actual autism. And that's and, the, and so he was finding the day very long. He was he's uh, there's, uh the, the sleep patterns are interrupted, so he's get tired. he doesn't sleep well at night sometimes, so he gets very, very tired. And so all these things create extra challenges. Uh so um, recently we've, we've started, uh, he's been on reduced hours and we've started what we call part-time homeschooling, right, and uh, you don't, I guess the term is actually just used reduced hours, but basically my wife, primarily my wife, and is, is, uh, is picking about lunchtime, spending time or t- teaching him at home, and he loves it. I mean, he's actually, uh, it's, it's an unusual situation where, although he loves being at school, he also just loves being at home, right, and uh, being at school for three hours rather than six hours makes a huge difference. And this is as we as we were um, researching the whole topic, um, my wife has sort of came across this whole idea of unschooling, right? And uh, there's a whole movement out there, which is, which is kind of interesting. There's um, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about homeschooling and schooling. And there's there's um, uh, and so this this idea of unschooling is that there's many children don't function under uh, routines very well. And
1: it has to do with the environment.
0: It has to do with not the environment, the
1: teaching itself. Exactly
0: right. I mean, the um, the environment of a school, uh, the uh, um, uh, and the, the structures and um, in place, largely. I mean, I'm a, I'm a teacher, so I completely understand the need for structures and, and routines mm-hmm. uh, to keep control of a class of 15, 20 or twenty-four children, however many children is a class. And very hard if you didn't have that. But it doesn't suit some children very well and um, And so uh, uh, there's a lot of parents out there in the world who've decided that well actually, in, in the case of my child, he or she learns better uh, in a uh, in an unstructured environment uh, and uh, this is uh, what we've sort of been delving into this it's been uh, It's been very 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 happy experience i mean uh, Charlie's able to learn things which are outside the normal syllabus i mean uh, for example, um, we learn his history. Learning about his history of the United States and of Peru and uh, other places where we have family connections. So it's not just limited to the, the to the whatever is in the, spec- the, the UK's statutory specification. You can do whatever you want, really, in terms of different learning, different things. Um, and he can uh, learn in the comfort of his sofa. My my wife has been very, very good. So some things work, some doesn't, but it's just a very happy learning experience. One of the fellow teachers at my school. Um, took it, Took it, She she left a job and took it, took her family and child sailing around the world for a year, right? And that's another example. And she's a teacher. She's a math teacher, and she took their seven year old child just as, just to, to to have that experience. So there are. Um, uh, I suppose it's it's opened us it, it's opened our eyes to the fact that the necessity has opened our eyes to the fact that there's lots of different ways children can learn, and it's been hugely. Uh, uh, rewarding to us to see our son Charlie uh, being happier uh, uh, with this, with the with the new arrangement, which is not to say that the schools are terrible. I mean, the schools are actually done very good, and, and I think they've done a lot of in Gibraltar, done, like, in Gibraltar, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I think schooling as a whole has to be re- there has to be a bit of a rethink in terms of how do you structure schooling for uh, certain types of children. Yeah, I mean,
1: well, first I guess it has to come down to recognizing. Mm those kinds of children and their needs, where do you see Gibraltar is at with children who have these kinds of needs in, in the school environment? Do mm-hmm. they pick up on them? Is there a strategy in place?
0: Yes, I think, I think, um, I think teachers pick up on them. I think teachers as a whole um, are generally um, increasingly well trained and versed in terms of how to um, deal, with that, deal with children with special needs um i think the problem largely is, is resources i mean the, the number of diagnoses of children with uh especially needs are, t- are tremendously it's just dyslexia is an enormous number autism is is, is, is a huge so, so all these all these uh d- diagnoses increasing tremendously they're becoming more and more common not necessarily becoming the, the the conditions are becoming more common but that uh people are more aware of it and therefore are seeking out mm-hmm. diagnoses yeah uh, and the and as a result uh, these these children have a legal right to uh, accommodations and special arrangements to help them learn uh, as they learn best, but this requires um, by necessity more staff, uh, more people, and that um, that's uh, not necessarily keeping pace. I mean I think uh, we already know that for example the Saint Martin School is already full up after on this, the new Saint Martin School is already full after in the second year of its operation it was uh, this. A lack of capacity there. There's no um, learning support facilities in St. Joseph's School in the South District, which would be our for us would be the natural school for uh, for, for where we live. St. We're Joseph's. Living. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is uh, uh, um, there's an argument that even even smaller groups of children should be taught. Uh, it, the group should be even smaller than they are now, but that's a matter of resources and. Uh, um, and I don't think this is a, f- a problem that Gibraltar on its own faces, but um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue here as well. Um, now, I mean, uh, Gibraltar is training lots of teachers. I mean, uh, from what I'm aware, there's there's over 100 teacher, uh, teachers on the supply lists looking for permanent roles. So there's certainly the people available to Hmm. To, to, for these roles. It's just a matter of, of, of the financial resources and the facilities being in place for that.
1: And surely they have to be trained up
0: yes. in this area um, as well? They, they, they have to be trained up in this area, but the PGC programs in the UK are usually quite good at this. Uh, and, I, I, and I presume the Gibraltar one is as well. The best training is usually on the job as well. I mean, uh, the, the moment uh, teachers join uh, schools and uh, join learning support departments, they, they, they very quickly pick up on best practice. But, yeah, that, that, that training is also an important part of that.
1: Going back to homeschooling being, I wouldn't say a relatively new thing, because I guess homeschooling has always been around, mm. not necessarily a trend in Gibraltar itself, but mm. in other countries, yeah. they do do that kind of thing. But surely as a parent, you would have to have, do is there some experience that you have to have? I mean, yeah. does, can anybody teach?
0: Well, good question. Uh, I, think, um, I think anyone can teach, right? I mean, they, uh, I don't think anyone, um, uh, uh, I mean, the important thing is you have to have the time to do it, right? I mean, obviously, uh, we're quite fortunate in that my wife is not working, so she's able to, Maya's able to spend the time in the afternoons with Charlie. I think everyone, everyone just learns it by doing, uh, and um, you're not teaching a classroom, you're teaching one, one child, and that's a, there's a world of difference of that. And uh, so it's, it's 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 tutoring, mentoring, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's a sort of a one-on-one relationship where you where you work with the child. Part of the part of the joy of it is actually the fact that you yourself are learning by doing it. Right. So it's very rewarding as a parent to see your child learning things. Uh, and uh, you're not trying to replicate the school at home. That's not never the intention. It's, the intention is just to create learning opportunities in, in an ordinary. Okay, right. yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not as if uh, one is trying to learn structured teaching skills for, and applying them at home. It's just, that's, that's not. The, it's, just, it's just the, the idea of, uh, I mean, in a, teaching in a, in a way that, uh, in, in a way that is, is natural. Right?
1: Yeah. Uh, so do you feel Charlie's needs are met in Gibraltar? Are we up to scratch when it comes to children with these kinds of needs
0: across the board? Um, yeah, I, I think there's still some way to go. I've been very impressed with schools. There's a great amount of goodwill, um, and the teachers work very hard, uh, and uh, and uh, but I, I still think, possibly the uh, the 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 mindset is not uh, fully developed, right? I mean, I think in terms of uh, in, in terms of uh, how best a child learns as a place, we're still trying to conform to certain uh, structures. Uh, and it's, 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 it's difficult because schools, are, schools, by necessity, have to have the structure. But uh, one also has to see, well, how, how else, how can we try to think laterally and think ways that kids can learn more effectively? And, um, and that has been a barrier for Charlie. That's why we've had to reduce, uh, reduce his schooling. If, if it was fully accommodated, well, that wouldn't have been the case. I mean, in a certain sense, we've been doing this of necessity rather than by, by choice. Um, and it's been a happy result. But uh, ideally, we would have we would have been in a situation where that wouldn't have been necessary. And so I, th- I think Gibraltar should be being such a small place. It should be in a position to to uh, to be in a certain sense a world leader in these areas rather than just simply interesting uh, because you because if you're so small, you have the chance to try new things, uh, experiment uh, and put things in place, which in a, a very large school district like London or New York or any other place, would take years and years and committees and thousands of, 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 of consultations before anything could be done. In Gibraltar, because it's such a small place, it could be much more flexible than it is. Right? And uh, and I think that's where maybe an opportunity is being lost. We shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily look at ourselves as a place where we should be the, as best as other places are, but how can we be even on the forefront of that and mm-hmm. of, 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 of best practice? And I think that's where... We should we need to have a bit of a superiority complex. We're small. We could try to do things. Let's try to try to uh, not just play catch up. Let's try to actually lead the world in in certain in certain in educational practice and in innovative practice. And uh, it's
1: out there for the taking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, there's there's lots of centers of excellence around the world. um, And uh, and if people are, I think you're right, people need to be trained in these roles, well, but then and then it can be implemented fairly quickly and easily here. I recently joined the committee of the uh, Special Needs Action Group here in Gibraltar. I was
1: gonna ask you about that. You've been in Gibraltar mm. for between two and three years.
0: Oh, four years now, actually. Four years, yeah, yeah. okay.
1: And um, you, h- how, how did you hear about SNAG? How did you get involved?
0: Well, um, uh, I guess it was through through the general activities that they organize. SNAG they organize, organizes a number of activities for children, and uh, especially in Gibraltar. We, our, our, our son started attending these, and then I got to know some of the people running the activities, and they asked me to get involved in the committee recently. And through that, I've become much more aware of the the much greater needs and gaps in, in other areas. I think we've been quite fortunate in in my in our personal circumstances, but um, uh, I think uh, there's, there's a huge need, particularly for um, uh, adults with disabilities continuing fill, fill, yeah. uh, filling the gaps and all that, which I think we've discussed before. And um, so I'm really seeing the needs, I mean, uh, and some real gaps. I mean, uh, one thing we're very aware of as a school and uh, through the charity is that uh, the great um, uh, waiting list for um, diagnoses, right, of, of autism, ADHD, et cetera, huge long waiting list, which, so there's lots and lots of families quite frustrated because they can't get those with a diagnos- without the diagnosis, can't get the help you need. And so that's something that needs to be resolved. Speech therapy, occupational therapy, uh, all, there's, 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 there needs to be a lot more of that available. Uh, we've we certainly feel that there should be more than we can get. There should be more time slots offered than are available. So these are all issues I've become aware of. And, um, and it's, it's, it's something which we have to constantly campaign for because it's, 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 um, we haven't seen enough being done by the government so far.
1: Yeah. Talking about Charlie, I've actually met him. He's an mm. amazing little boy. Mm. He has a thing for numbers and terribly bright and chatty. Mm. Um, When you look at the, just this, I I want to put this across for parents generally Mm. who might be worried or concerned Mm. or might see something that maybe they're not quite happy with or unsettled about. Mm. When you look at uh, autism, for example, there's a whole spectrum. Mm. It's very difficult to pigeonhole any child into the umbrella autism Mm. because the spectrum is so wide. Where does Charlie fall? And how did you first notice his symptoms?
0: The symptoms were probably noticed at about two or so. I mean, he was, two. um, he was, he was, he was slow with a spe- uh, slow picking up speech. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to speech therapy at that age. Um, the diagnosis came a couple of years later when he was four. Um, and, uh, and, um, and then the early, in between two and four, you just don't know many children are, are late learning speech. So it's not, it's not an automatic... Uh... It's
1: not something that stuck out no, for I mean, you? No, it's,
0: it's, it's, it's a fairly common condition of children speech delay. It was only once he was in a school setting that the, uh, the, some of the more characteristic traits of autism became, uh, became apparent. Um, and that's when uh, his first year in nursery, they very quickly started to say, well, he's, the way he socializes with other children. Uh, quite often, it's, some things with autism, children repeat, repeat, uh, repeat words, it's echolalia. They repeat what other children say. Um, they don't know how to interact with other children. So
1: The social aspects. The social
0: aspects, yeah. And those are picked up at an early stage.
1: Patrick, very quickly, how do you see the future unfolding? Because we know that there is a gap when the children go into their last educational... Mm kind of section in life mm-hmm. when between finishing school and starting university. Mm. What is there out there or in Gibraltar that will help these kids become a member of the community and how, how, how do you see Charlie moving mm. forward?
0: Well I think um, more generally I think that um, more and more companies and sectors are, are, are becoming aware of, of uh, Recruitment tracks and employment tracks for children with special needs for for adults with special needs um, which uh, so i mean in, in autism people quite often find the the traditional interview in, recruitment interview technique to be quite uh, stressful right the, the sort of the one on one high pressure interview doesn 't work for someone with autism so many uh, many large corporations, including investment banks in in london or uh, um, uh, or even hotels and hospitality chains are facilitating recruitments uh, w- in a way that doesn't
2: put uh, those sorts of pressures on people. And the point is, if someone is able to do a, a, a role and fulfill a job, that's the important thing. and and, and so uh, um, and I think that's that's something that um, all employers have become more aware of. Uh, the government should encourage uh, uh, that with possible subsidies of, of the of if, if that necessary. So. All this sort of investment in um, making sure people are able to be productive members of society is well worth doing because it's a You're there for, as a, as a country, you are improving the productivity of your economy. You are then, um, um, give, uh, you're also giving give, give a huge amount of self-worth, which comes from, from the able to work. And so that's that's a, an area where I think we all have to work. And so, uh, so it's not, so a, the a person then becomes a productive member of society rather than a, a financial burden on society, and but more, much more importantly, is that is a huge amount of of self worth one feels when on one actually is able in the position to to contribute to them, and, and that comes from a lot of investment in the person, ten years of the child of a person's life. Yeah, and, uh, and so uh, it, it's it's definitely worth putting all the, m- the money and effort and resources into that, so that um, later on that person is able to to function.
1: So, Patrick, you are now settled in Gibraltar. Is this going to be your home?
0: Well, it's, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, we're very happy here, um, and um, uh, it's, it's, it's something where we've been—we've we, gotten settled over the. It takes a while for people to get settled into Gibraltar. I think it is, is um, coming from London. There's, there's a lot of um, uh, there's a great friendliness about place. There's a lot of frustrations with the officialdom and bureaucracy. Everything from getting residence cards to GHA cards to Finding places to live in Gibraltar is all quite quite a challenge, as you can imagine. Uh, and we've navigated those uh, until now fairly well. Uh, we're very happy here, um, but it's 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 hard to know. I mean, I guess um, uh, the uh, we have to see what opportunities lie ahead for us both uh, personally and professionally, and uh, and and take things a day at a time. But uh, we are very happy here, and and I think as a as a place. Our children have never been happier. I mean, uh, it's, 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 uh, when we tell our friends in the UK or in the US that our eight-year-old daughter walks to school every day on her own, uh, that's mind-blowing for most people. Right? I mean, just the, the fact that not many places in the world do you have that sense of security that a child can do that, which is, which is absolutely fantastic. We've had, a, we've had a and we've made some very, very good friends here, uh, and, uh, and so, so we are very happy. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.